0: Hey everyone. Uh, For today's episode, you know, we go kind of a little bit of a different route. Chase and I talk about Manti Teo because ESPN ran a documentary kind of talking about that whole situation about 10 years ago. And so we rehash some of that and then we get into the profit vaccination and just kind of our thoughts on that. Chase shared some of his thoughts being a medical doctor currently in the field, uh, which Was pretty interesting and then we kind of rounded it out with some singles in the church type of talk and what would it be like if the church issued marriage arrangements just like they issued mission calls it kind of gets a little bit off the rails but we enjoyed ourselves hopefully you enjoy it as well
1: I don't like Utah. In fact, I hate them. I hate everything about them. I hate the program. I hate their fans. I hate everything. So it felt really good to send those guys home. Zimmer for Dead has become a big-time college basketball star at BYU. Shut the hell up! That's one of my lyrics in the song. There couldn't be a, a prouder older brother than me. Carlino, a bounce to Haas. Haas posting up short corner right to the middle. Fades away. Got, yeah! got, it out! got to watch go. the When you do
0: what's right on and off the field, uh, I, I think the Lord steps in and, and uh, plays a you know plays a part in that. Magic happens. All right, Chase, back at it again. Um, changing some things up with the podcast though. We're not going to be as BYU heavy.
1: I hope you're okay with that. Are you going to be able to handle that? You think? I think you know I, I can discuss things outside the world of BYU, as hard as that is.
0: Yeah, I mean, who knows what validity it might have to anybody else, but we'll go ahead and do it, right? Because we have opinions on things, so we might as well share them. Um, I mean, there really isn't even anything to say on BYU basketball. That's basically why. Like, BYU basketball is forcing our hand and making us talk about other things.
1: Well, they're they're winning basketball games. I mean, I, I can't complain about how it's going. But uh, yeah, I mean, until we play a real team, which isn't going to be till Gonzaga at the end of the year, then there's not a whole lot of exciting news, one way or another. So,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And it looks like BYU has a very real chance of winning out. Uh, besides Gonzaga, very cool. Um, they'll probably make the tournament. Okay, whatever. We're done. We've we've done our
1: recap now. Yeah. Um, well, actually, the. Uh, the best part of the game was what came on after the game it was the uh Manti Teo documentary ESPN was doing and uh I thought that was, I was because I actually I don't know if I told you this I was in uh Manti Teo's ward in San Diego so I got to meet him a couple of times and he actually got up in church and like bore his testimony a couple of times and seemed like a legit guy um I, I still that that whole catfish situation not I I just can't quite wrap my mind around how that happened like how, how you can get to that point with a catfish like I sort of get how you could match with a fake profile on a dating app or whatever maybe that goes on for a few days but letting that develop into a relationship is just ew. I, don't, I don't know what to say the, about that the,
0: the goal ability levels do have to be like through the roof for in, in order for it to happen at that level Like you, you have to just like, no, no joke. You think about that and I, I, Manta Teo wouldn't surprise me as somebody who's never heard a lie in his life. He's, he just believes everybody too much. (laughs) I don't know how else you can explain something like that. Well,
1: I get get it with like a kind of a loser type of dude, maybe who doesn't have very many prospects, but I mean, we're talking about Manta Teo here. Like he was in the Heisman conversation. He could have any girl he wanted. And he ends up with a fake girlfriend who's a dude pretending to be a girl on the phone.
0: Yeah, did, that Lene Kakua, man, she must have been something else. I'll tell you what.
1: I mean, how do you um, come back? How so, do you. How so do you come great, ba- she wasn't even real. How do you come back from that? Like, af- I don't care what. Well, wh- he has. <laughs> but whether it's public or not, I just. I don't know if I could ever respect myself again.
0: Well, no. Yeah. I mean... So, in other words, you don't think Manta Taylor respects himself?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I, maybe he does. I just don't know how. But you, what you, is the
0: documentary highlighting exactly? Like what, did, you, did you watch it? Did, uh, it come out? I, I just kind of
1: had it on in the background. But yeah, they kind of just went over the whole story. I don't think there was anything truly enlightening about anything they they told. Um but you know how Manti could have avoided that whole situation—is he? He could have gone to BYU; it wouldn't have been a problem.
0: Uh, maybe. I don't know though, because the guy that catfished him was just like somebody he knew from back home in Hawaii. So who's to say that couldn't have happened at BYU just as easily?
1: Maybe, but I mean, I guess at BYU he'd at least have more uh, LDS girls to date than in South Bend. <laughs> well, that's true. Fair point.
0: I guess just it, it broadens his pool. I mean, it is one of those stories for our generation where it's like, it, it's it's in the realm of, like, I remember where I was when 9-11 happened, and I'll <laughs> never forget that. I remember even the first person who told me about it. Um, and I also remember where I was when I first heard about Manti Teo. Believe it or not, it was a Draper Jamba Juice, and I... I just... It was one of those that was so incredulous. Like, people were like, have you heard about man?" Like, at my phone, like, kept going off. And they're like, did you hear about this Manti Teo stuff? And... at the, There was that... It was a dead spin article, right? That really... That broke the story. And... It was one of those articles I just couldn't stop reading until I got finished with it. And it was a long one. I mean, it took probably, like, 20-ish minutes to read. And... Cool. You are just kind of going through this at paragraph by paragraph thinking... You, you, for one, you don't want it to end, but you also just don't even really believe that any of it's real. That The headline being that this girl that he was dating who died the same week his grandma died, the same week he played... like, I can't remember who they played that week, but it was a big game, and he played very well, and it was near the end of the season, and they had a big like, sit-down interview with him, talking about the death of his grandma, which, who, by the way, let me clarify, was real, and the death of his (laughs) girlfriend, who, by the way, let me clarify, was not real. So then when you heard, like, the next couple weeks, I think it was pre-Heisman ceremony. Is that fair? Or maybe it was after that. Actually, I think it was post-Heisman pre-bowl game, pre-National Championship game that he played in, when that story broke, if that sounds right. And all of a sudden, the headline is... Manti Teo's girlfriend who died may not have been real. Like, a real person. And when you see that headline immediately, you're like, how is this possible? And you start reading and you're just like, this is incredible. This is the catfish of all catfishes. He had never actually met his girlfriend. And, like, I don't know. I mean, it makes you kind of wonder who... The guy that was catfishing him, I knew his name at one point. It was like Uriah something. And I remember. he, it makes you wonder if at the, when they were like, we gotta, we gotta like either a break this to Manti that it's not real or b just kill her off. Okay, b let's kill her off because it was like him and like one or two other people involved in this, and so they decided to kill her off. But then. You gotta wonder, like, did they do it, and then his grandma died? Because I can't imagine it was their plan to be like, oh, let's have his grandma and his girlfriend, that's not real, die the same week. I
1: can't imagine they meant to do that.
0: <laughs> and so when that happened, they're just like, ah, oh, crap.
1: Well, I'm glad the gla- the grandma was real. That's uh, that's uh, reassuring that he he didn't make up both of those people. Uh, but there you yeah, have I it. I guess those those are part. the uh, the crowning events of our of our generation: nine eleven and Manti Teo's fake girlfriend. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't think of anything else as quite as significant, unfortunately.
1: Actually, <laughs> but... I, I will say though, I can't, I can't I can't be the one to fully knock on him here because I did get catfished once. It, granted, it, it was never someone who became my girlfriend or anything like that. But when I was living down in some butthole town in like the in southern Arizona I was there for like a rotation for med school or something and I did match with a girl on one of those dating apps and we did correspond for like two or three days and then you know my my spidey senses uh, kinda uh, took over and I I recognized something was afoot and I got rid of that did not get quite to the point of uh, telling the entire nation she was my girlfriend and that she died but interestingly enough, she had this whole backstory that she had previously dated, like a BYU football player, and she also had kind of the whole like someone sick situation too, because she had like a like a sick grandpa or something like that. I, that must be like a common theme for these catfishers. That they like to play on your sympathy of someone dying or something.
0: That is bizarre. At the end of the day, your cynicism is what saved you. That's what's incredible. That's why. I- that's why cynicism is is not a bad thing. And I will go to my grave thinking that. Yeah, we agree on that one. Uh, that's, yeah, I think, I mean, there's no question that they're rampant. Um, but, and I'm glad you had the wherewithal to understand that some of this may have seemed too good to be true. But, I don't know. Well, I don't wait. know whether to say poor man Titeo or, like, well, thank goodness like nothing worse happened but like time to grow up
1: man He has to be pretty gullible I mean these days I mean this happened back in 2012 so that was a while ago but I feel like nowadays it's pretty easy to find out if someone's legit or not you, If they don't have any social media either they're kind of strange anyway or they're they're fake like, I get it. Like, yeah, I'm not, I would agree with that, actually. Yeah, like, you gotta ha- like, and, and if, the, maybe someone has a fake Instagram, but you can tell. Like, I feel bad. Like, I see people, like, lonely old men on Facebook who get trolled by these, like, fake Facebook accounts. And then you go, you go look at the account, and they have, like, three friends. It's like, I'm sorry, buddy, but that nine you're talking to on Facebook ain't real. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 I guess it shouldn't be that hard to verify these things, but some people are just so desperately sad and lonely that they just they see what they want to see I guess
0: well you just changed this conversation from interesting to sad all of a sudden so there's (laughs) that but I think you hit on something actually important that we are now seeing which is if you don't have social media platforms you're the weird one now the Not to say that you have to be active. Being active on a social media platform is completely different. I don't think if you have one, you have to be like constantly checking it or constantly posting or sharing or whatever. But the desire to want to be connected to a larger community I think is pretty natural for most people. But also at the same time, at this point, it's just a verification method. Um, And that becomes interesting because you do see... In fact, I had a close friend of mine, a female who was dating this guy who was real. They were physically dating and things were going well. But she, what she was telling me about him, I was looking him up as, you know, we are often want to do. And I couldn't find him. And she's like, oh yeah, he doesn't have social media. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that seems a little weird, but whatever. I mean, this was like three or four years ago. And um, then it came to light a month or two later that, he had been... And the only reason she figured this out was because he had been dating a girl that she knew really well, but he didn't know they knew each other. Like, because they didn't hang out often, but they had, had gone through cycles of friendship, so to speak, where they would hang out for, like, a month or two at a time a lot and then just kind of go their own ways. Nothing, nothing out of animus. It was just... It was what it was, you know, just out of convenience or whatever it may be. Um, they still got along very well. And they both talked about this guy they were dating... And then it came to light that they were like, wait a second, are you freaking kidding me? Like, we're dating the same guy. And no joke, this actually happened. And the reason why they weren't able to figure that out sooner or that nobody really suspected it is because he didn't have social media and you can't easily share, you know, who you're dating or whatever um, with somebody if they're not you know, easily accessible on social media. But that was just fascinating to me to think that I even thought it was weird he didn't have social media. I didn't think... It wasn't like then it pointed to him cheating on her. All of a sudden, I wasn't like, oh, he's probably cheating on you. But now I'm more inclined to think those that don't have social media might be hiding something. That's kind of the world we're living in now.
1: (laughs) They got a second family or something like that going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's how you'd have to do it. If you wanted to pull off having a second family, there's no way you could have social media. Granted, that's... You know, a logical fallacy that, you know, if you have a social, if you have a second family, you probably don't have social media. That does not mean because you don't have social media, you probably have a second
1: family, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I like to, I like uh, to make wild assumptions like that. That's more fun that way. <laughs> right. Anyway,
0: Manta, Teo falling victim to that. That's, uh, so are we, because like, I guess we are kind of around that anniversary. Is that why ESPN aired that documentary?
1: I have no idea. Maybe they figured it would be a good fit after the BYU game because he's Mormon, but probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, Interesting. I, what I what I am curious about is like in the situation of your friend. Uh, what would, I wonder what his rationale was for not having social media. Probably some pretentious like, oh, I'm above, so I don't do social media. I'm above that. I uh, I think it's stupid, so I don't have it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you do wonder how how does one justify that these days? Um,
1: I don't know. I it's kind of like, like the it's kind of like the same call. the same type of thing where people like say they don't have time for TV or don't have time for movies. I just feel like that's a purely pretentious statement, because yeah, well, it's
0: a, somewhat of a virtue signal, right? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, we're all busy. Everyone's busy. So like, if if you have other hobbies that don't involve TV, that's fine. But don't make it about how busy you are. You just sound like a jackass. When you do that.
0: No, that's true. I mean, it's, you're not really saying you're too busy for it. You're saying I'm above it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good for Um, you. I'm going to watch TV.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I wanted to, I wanted to bring something else up because I thought it was pretty relevant to your status in life, so to speak. Against all odds, you became a medical doctor. (laughs) <laughs> um I still haven't seen the actual like diploma or whatever it is they give you. Do they give you like a little certificate or badge of honor that says you are a doctor I don't know, but I guess I just believe you for whatever reason. Um You've told me you're in your residency, so I'll just take take your word for it for whatever I don't know why. But um I am curious to get your thoughts as a medical doctor, as a physician, as a healer of the people
1: as a hero, as, as as a frontline hero, <laughs> <laughs>
0: screw you, dude. <laughs> um, as a doctor and a member of the church, the prophet just got vaccinated. I think it was Wednesday, um, and he touted that on his social media. And for all intents and purposes, it was it was a very clear endorsement of the vaccine itself. Now, I bring this up because we are starting to see, not starting, this has obviously been a thing for a while, and it hasn't really been relegated to even any single group, per se. In fact, you can't even draw the lines politically between Vaxxers and anti-Vaxxers, if I'm not mistaken. There's basically, it's like, it's right around 10% for both conservatives and liberals alike who are anti-vaccination, anti-vacc- I think is roughly, roughly what we've seen. But we do seem to be seeing a growing pushback of this particular vaccine for COVID-19 because of how quickly it was made and how apparently there's still a lot of questions up in the air um, and the fact that you're going to be turning into a zombie because you got vaccinated. Um, like, all these things are very real situations. Okay, maybe except for that last one. but um, And people have hesitancy for it. And there's no question... Uh, President Nelson endorsed it like he did he said it on his social media he even specifically said it's you know uh, my you know a, as being a, a good citizen of the universe right to, to do this it's kind of like he made it like a duty type situation what are your thoughts on it as a, as a physician as a member of the church and kind of keeping in mind that there are plenty of people and there are plenty of members of the church who are not necessarily chomping at the bit to get vaccinated they're a little bit skeptical maybe of it all
1: so my first thought is i think for anyone who's at risk you know and i would i would define that as maybe 60 years old and above i would say absolutely get the vaccine i the risk of having some bizarre reaction or getting cancer from it or something crazy like that far is far smaller than than the risk of covid now granted I will add a disclaimer that as a physician and someone who's taking care of a lot of COVID patients and seeing quite a few very tragic outcomes with it, I think I'm a little bit biased because I only see the worst of the COVID cases. I see the, the worst 1%, the worst 2% who end up in the hospital, and a very high percentage of those ones who have oxygen requirements when they show up to the hospital, they, they end up dying. And so I think the the medical community maybe is a little bit more sensitive to how big of a deal COVID is compared to your average person who probably knows 20 people who got it and they were all just fine. And so I think it's important for the rest of the community to take that into account, but also for people like myself who only deal with the sickest people to also take into account that we also have a skewed perception of it. That said, I mean... We, if, if, I guess my, my whole thought is if, if you're not okay with the COVID vaccine, then why are you okay with getting the flu vaccine every year? Why are you okay with getting all the other vaccines? Granted, I know this one well, was, I would generally
0: say... Sorry, go uh, ahead. No,
1: you, you go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, I, I think those two, those people aren't generally mutually exclusive. Or those two sentiments. I think there's a lot of people that don't get flu shots here in New York. I'm one of those. I, I, I wouldn't, I'm certainly not a vaccine truther by any means. I'm in no sense an anti-vaxxer. Now, am I a little bit dubious of some of the vaccines that are out there? Yeah, I am. Because from what I've heard that, like, the overall um, library of vaccines that kids get these days are like, I don't know. Somebody gave me a number. It's like at least five times the amount of the vaccines I got. And I haven't actually verified that claim. Maybe you actually know. But that seems a little unnecessary. I don't know. Uh, but even then, I'm still not like an anti-vaxxer in any sense. I never get the flu vaccine ever. I've had the flu. In fact, three out of the four years I lived in Lovett, Texas, I got the flu. Um, I was okay with it. Like It took me out for a couple days, but I got through it. Um I don't. The only reason I don't take the flu vaccine isn't because I think it's doing long term damage. I do it because I thought I feel like there's still a high chance you get it from the flu vaccine, or that you get a different strand, and that there's. So I'm just thinking like whatever. I'll just I won't pay fifty bucks to get a flu vaccine. I'll just get the flu for a couple of days and move on. I don't know, but um, I do not conflate those two two things necessarily. Or yeah, I, I would say I don't conflate those necessarily because. I think you'll find people that would say i don't get a flu vaccine not because i don't believe that the flu would be the flu vaccine is going to do long-term damage for different reasons as to why they'd get the COVID 19
1: vaccine if that makes sense does that am i making sense here yeah no you're making sense I... I guess my only – I'm okay with people having a variety of opinion, opinions on this. And I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with young, healthy people saying, hey, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit this one out. You know, I, I, I'm okay with the odds of me getting COVID and having a bad outcome being small enough that it's not worth going and getting a vaccine that I don't understand. But what, what, I, what I don't want to see is and – and we see a whole lot of this – Is people who have a super strong opinion one way or another, but haven't really done the research themselves other than listening to their own echo chambers. You know, in the case of the people who don't want the vaccine, they listen to some conspiracy podcast and they told them not to get it um, or they follow, you know, kind of ridiculous channels on Instagram that, you know, tout all these strange conspiracies and um, and then on the other hand, you have kind of the virtue signaling type people who like to tell everyone they got the vaccine and how good of a person they are because they got it and how they, wore four, they wear four different masks at all times and uh, you know, make sure to have a mask selfie on every picture on their Instagram so everyone knows they're wearing their mask all the time. I'm just sick and tired of people trying to tell everyone how great of a person they are because of, because of how they feel about this. That, that's starting to get annoying to me.
0: Yeah, I understand that. I. It's funny because I do think you find that faction of people that aren't that would not consider themselves anti-vaxxers, but are a little skeptical of this one because of how fast it came out. I I understand the hesitancy because of the survival rate of this thing, but I don't know who am I. I what's what does my opinion matter? I don't know, but.
1: Well, and the big the big question mark too is because we I think there's a little bit of a misconception about what the vaccine actually does. I think a lot of people think that the vaccine stops you from getting COVID, and you can still get COVID with the vaccine. The the what the vaccine's supposed to do is stop you from having the symptoms of COVID. Um, and it protects your body from having this overreaction immune response which then causes the the sickness that can lead to serious illness or death. Um, but catching covid is still going to be a thing you can still test positive for covid after getting the vaccine to my understanding um and so and then the big question mark is is are you less likely to then spread the virus after getting the vaccine because if you can still test positive then theoretically you can still pass it on as an asymptomatic carrier um, I mean, naturally. I mean, I guess common sense would say that if you not, if you aren't having symptoms, if you're not coughing and sneezing, and have a lower viral load altogether, that maybe you're less likely to pass it on. And so there is some logic to the idea that maybe getting the vaccine would lower transmission. But I don't think we have any evidence of that yet.
0: Yeah, I've heard that as well. I I want to go back to kind of the prophet's social media post yeah. though. Like, what do you like? Do you think now it becomes kind of like, it's kind of, I mean, obviously the prophet didn't say it's mandatory. In fact, he even said it should be personal. Yeah. But it does, is there kind of some pseudo commandment there maybe that it's like reading between the lines that like, and obviously commandment, when you throw that word around, I don't mean to say it lightly, like I, but it is lightly in this case. It's not a commandment by any means.
1: I Um, I think the prophet,
0: is there some obligation
1: I don't know if there's an obligation. I think the prophet did that because he probably sensed that there is a high degree of skepticism about it, and he wanted people to feel a little bit more comfortable taking it, knowing that you know the prophet took it. And so, you know, if if the prophet took it, you can probably feel like if if you are worried about getting COVID and potentially uh, getting sick f- from COVID, then if the prophet took it then you should feel comfortable taking it too. So I think he just wanted to maybe give people a little bit more comfort in in, in, in that decision to do that, but I don't think he was necessarily saying that uh, everyone needs to get it or you're a bad member of the church. I don't think he was saying that. No, he definitely wasn't
0: saying that. Yeah, there's no question about that. But I it it makes sense for him he's in the vulnerable group. So I'd be I'd be curious to know it doesn't seem like he's speaking prophetically here if there if there's that helps at all? I don't know. It doesn't seem like that. But um, at the end of the day, I think you're kind of right that since he did say it was a personal decision, what I came away thinking from there was that it was his way of saying whatever choice you make, as long as it's made in faith and with like with true thought, with prayer, that you'll be okay. Like that was the bottom line. You'll you'll be okay, and and being okay can mean a lot of different things, right? Like, if, heaven forbid, there's some weird adverse reaction of infertility by taking this vaccine, doesn't mean you won't be okay if you're still infertile, right?
1: Well, I yeah, I, I, I will say that women between the ages of, you know, 19 and 40 probably are in a tougher position than the rest of us as far as making that decision goes because there is, you know... Any, I mean, that's the case with any, you know, untested medication or not, not just a vaccine, but just in general. There's a lot of, lot of new medications out there that don't have great data in terms of how safe they are for pregnancy. So generally speaking, when someone's trying to get pregnant or, or um, pregnant, uh, it's, I mean, usually just good advice to avoid any medications you don't need. And in this case, maybe a vaccination. But I, 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 don't know, I don't know if I would feel comfortable advising someone one way or another on that one to be honest yeah interesting yeah well it means a lot coming from a
0: doctor i um, now one other question on this that's coming to mind have you guys ever used or practiced with uh hydroxychloroquine
1: in your hospital um, no, we, we. I think it, actually, no. I, I take that back. At the very beginning, we uh, we were giving it kind of on a uh, kind of on an experimental level, just because a lot of these patients were so sick that it, it doesn't hurt to try. Um, the problem with hydroxychloroquine is it, it. Maybe I'm getting a little too technical here, but it increases the QT interval, which is basically a fancy way for saying it puts you at a higher risk for having a cardiac arrhythmia, and so you're – Potentially, you know, treating COVID, whether or not that it's helpful, it's helpful. You know, some studies say it is some say it's not. I think the general consensus right now in the medical community is that there's not a lot of evidence for hydroxychloroquine to actually be beneficial. Um, But you are putting them at high risk for having a cardiac arrhythmia and potentially dying. Um, But you know, I would we did use it uh, initially, and then we switched over to a medication called remdesivir, and that's kind of been the one we give for, in, for hospitalized patients. And then there's another one that I've seen evidence for, um, uh, what's it called? It's um, ivermectin, which is typically a medication that's given for parasite infections, but they've also found that patients who... Um, it's kind of more of a prophylactic medication that people have tried using. So I mean, there's all kinds of, with when it comes to treating COVID, everyone's still kind of just shooting from the hip, to be honest. <laughs> I think we've gotten a little better at it as as physicians um, over the course of the pandemic, but it's still kind of a, you know, there's a lot of. I think you go hospital to hospital, you're going to see different treatments.
0: Yeah, there's no question that the, the medical community's gotten better at it. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, sure, like the the vaccine. Wasn't around for this at the beginning, but there was a, an adaptation that that happened that was nothing short of impressive um, on the on the medical side of things, because they've been able to prevent deaths just by being able to do different procedures and prescribe different things. Like you say, remdesivir has been very helpful throughout that whole process. But anyway, um, did you have anything more to say on that in that respect? Um, or no,
1: no. I mean, it's it's just I just I just go back to the whole thing where. I, I'm just tired of of everything being so partisan with this kind of stuff. I, I feel like there's room for individuals of different political backgrounds to to just have their own unique opinion on this stuff, and to study the data, look at uh, the the trends out there, and, and have your own thoughts on it, rather than just falling back on your on your little group of at the, at the your little political group that's telling you what to think, you know
0: yeah it, along those lines I was actually thinking about this not too long ago where it is kind of fascinating how willing some people are to be uh, it's almost like purposefully oblivious or purposefully ignorant I mean purposefully oblivious might actually be a uh, oxymoron but um, purposefully ignorant I don't think is and how many people are willing to embrace that and uh, as a default characteristic, just to drive an agenda that is closest to the current ideology they hold. I mean, that I, that's fascinating to me because it it basically means that their actu- their priority is their group identity as opposed to their own specific self-identity.
1: Oh yeah, it's just a giant game of gotcha. It's why Twitter is so freaking annoying is because... You can't discuss anything without it all revolving around you know, winning the gotcha game in in the in the partisan competition. It's just it's just exhausting.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, kind of pivoting a little bit before we kind of close out here. I'm curious, did we want to address because we the last time we were on, we talked about a specific tweet from a specific person <laughs> who we we chalked it up as kind of being like. It was really, it was pretty apparent from that sentiment that they shared that they believe that being a part of an organ- organization means that that organization should do things for you, that you should be able to get something out of it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of why the organization exists, as opposed to more being kind of a cog in a machine to kind of help that organization prevail, because ultimately it's the organization that helps people anyway, naturally, but it's not necessarily specific to. Uh, specific people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that was tweeted out by a single member of the church who happens to be a bitter in a lot of ways, unfortunately. And it made me think kind of, there is a growing sense of bitterness among single members of the church, I feel like. In fact, I've had conversations with a lot of people that, not not that I res- not that I just respect, but I, I love, like these people that I love that I'm very close to, who feel like the church has kind of forgotten about its singles, so to speak. But my initial thought in all that is that, I mean, the church never said they were going to take care of the singles. They never said they were going to, like, make sure we were okay. I mean, it's such a, for one, there's so much personal utility that comes from being a part of the church. You kind of have to make these things happen on your own. Like, you, you can't really wait for the church to organize specific group meetings which they even do anyway like they have firesides all the time for single adults they have single adult wards they have single adult activities all the time and how often do we even go to those right we don't but other than that i don't think it was ever really on the church to provide us with some sort of like refuge anyway
1: well we could always go to arrange marriages if that's what people want i mean <laughs> that's an option yeah I
0: Yeah, do you think the church could... Do you think the church would actually survive doing arranged marriages? No. I mean, obviously the church will survive doing whatever, but... Not in 2021. That would be fascinating. No. No, No, not a chance. That would be fascinating, man. What if the... Like, there's no... Like, there's no question if we adopted arranged marriages, um, I would try and uh, finagle something where it's like, I'm not just leaving this up to the same guys that told me to go serve in Mexico for two years for some reason. Even though I do believe that was inspired... (laughs) I don't believe it oh, imagine, imagine getting like over a mission marriage.
1: Instead of opening your mission call, you open up just a picture of the person you're gonna marry. A marriage call. <laughs>
0: like,
1: that would, be, oh, that would be, be fascinating. Oh man Besides
0: that weird mole, um, I could work with this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. I don't I don't think I could roll those uh I don't think I could play that game of roulette. It would uh, it would be too terrifying.
0: Can you imagine? And we actually treat it the same way we get our mission calls. Like, we invite a bunch of people over. People predict. Like, oh, I bet I bet your wife's going to be 5'7 and 132 pounds. And she's probably going to love playing volleyball and hiking. Like, people make those predictions. And whoever's closest to it wins whatever, something, some well, prize. The question and then is- they all come around... And you open it, and it has the description, and it has the picture, and everyone's like, oh, you got married to Boise, Idaho. That's (laughs) good for you.
1: Oh, man. I just can't even imagine.
0: And then somebody afterwards comes up to you and says, and they pat pat you on the back, and they say, well, it looks like she could be funny. (laughs) That'd be amazing. That, that that should be the next weird church movie that gets made. Oh, yeah. Like a la Singles Ward or whatever.
1: Whatever happened to those church movies? I felt like they were just churning those things out in the in the early 2000s and then they just died off. I, I mean, maybe they're still making them, but I never hear of them anymore.
0: Nah, I, we'd hear about... Dude, we'd hear about them more, now more than ever with the, how we're inundated with social media among everything else. They, I don't know. I just don't think they're making... They, they're not making those types of movies. I mean, you've heard of like... Ephraim's rescue and 17 miracles and stuff like yeah, things are yeah. still getting turned out but not to the level that it was And the that... relatability aspect has kind of shifted it's more about kind of historical uh aspects of the church as opposed to like modern day culture yeah
1: isn't there that dude trying to like raise a bunch of money to make like the braveheart version of the book of mormon or something like that
0: oh you know i think i did see that and it's like yeah that just seems like uh a freaking weird dream that this guy's pursuing
1: <laughs> yeah, i mean it could, it could potentially be cool but i i like i'm not going to spend my hard-earned money on that that's for sure I'll, I'll pay my, my question
0: to this guy is why stop short at braveheart why not just go full game of thrones mode on the book of mormon <laughs> dude like why not why not show like Amalekiah and his many concubines and like what they did behind the scenes? Like yeah. why 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 stop there?
1: I mean there could be nudity in the Book of Mormon, they don't talk about it, but I'm sure. I mean obviously people got naked back then, so
0: yeah, it's superfluous to talk about it in the Book of Mormon itself, but if you're going to help us visualize it, sure, throw it in there. Why not? Make it make it rated R. Push as many lines as possible, dude. Braveheart isn't enough for me.
1: Yeah, I'm um, I'm with you there. Let's uh let's get this campaign rolling.
0: Yeah. Just to clarify, just in case any there's any doubt for anybody listening to this, I am being facetious. I just think it's stupid to make that movie in general. So,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you did you ever see the uh, the original like Book of Mormon movie that got made?
1: I think I saw it once and I was very underwhelmed if I recall. It was so bad, man.
0: Like no joke. I remember watching it and I the, the guy they had playing Lehi, I remember there was this scene where he was like, I can't even remember what the the actual lines were, but it was something along the lines. Like, he's like, don't you understand? The city will be destroyed. And I'm watching this and I'm like, I wouldn't believe this dude either. This guy looks freaking nuts. <laughs> like, I'm, I was thinking like, oh, I guess I'd get destroyed then because there's no way I'm following this psychopath. And that's that was their depiction of Lehi. And I'm like, <laughs> this is awful. This is so bad. Not to mention... The guy that they got to play Nephi, I think part of his history as an actor involved being in a role on the the, the show, which I didn't know, but it was the sh- title of the show is called Queer as Folk. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, that all of a sudden got interesting. Not to say that it needs to be rele- relegated to a specific type of actor by any means, but it certain added it certainly added a different component to that how that movie was made, right? Yeah, like, I mean, give you I- an idea.
1: I personally just stick to the living scriptures, the cartoon version. That's a uh, that's my uh, Sunday afternoon uh, Book of Mormon entertainment.
0: You do like those guys. I remember you. We we actually found the guy that probably voiced Laman,
1: right? Oh, no, 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 Lemuel, the guy that because Lemuel had that ridiculous oh. laugh. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. there, there, there's the scene where they they, total, they totally made this part up, but where they're they're escaping with the brass plates from Jerusalem. And then one of the soldiers chucks a knife and it, it breaks Lemuel's bag open and and uh, Lemuel doesn't realize it. So he keeps running and he says, ah, I think I'm getting stronger or, or something along those lines. And then uh, so that, that's always been my uh, my go to scene for for that show. It's a uh, it's just a fantastic show.
0: Yeah. And now I just can't help but ask the question, what the heck are those voice actors up to now?
1: Oh, I mean, I, I I hope they I hope they're uh, having a good uh, Sunday afternoon like us. <laughs> oh, that's very politically correct of you to say. Um, certainly,
0: I hope they're not struggling actors, as I presume that is most likely the case. But anyway,
1: maybe they got a gig on uh, The Simpsons or South Park or something after their work in The Living Scriptures. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> South Park. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe they were. Maybe they were consultants on the Book of Mormon episode of South Park.
1: Oh yeah, that would make sense.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh Chase, I think that about wraps it up for us. That, that I I appreciated this. It was it was a lot of things to think about right now, but this I want people to keep in mind kind of this is the direction I think we're going to really start taking this podcast where I'm going to I'm going to have a lot of sit-downs with a lot of people like this. And Chase, you'll clear, you'll obviously be on it regularly. I mean, you have a specific insight that I think is very valuable and interesting, to say the least. But um, we are going to branch out and talk a little bit more about culture and society and how the, the church and the gospel, Utah, and obviously BYU as well, kind of get thrown into there and how we can contextualize that um, for today. So... Sounds good to me much appreciated as always and um, we'll just keep it keep it going. so thank you sir. All right we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Well,
1: sounds good to me you have a good one.